Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. In the name of the unnameable God, amen. Uh, All of you who are sitting beyond this front row uh, and at home are missing the best part of this service, which is seeing the two babies we're going to baptize each other, spot each other (laughs) across the row and um, start a conversation. (laughs) It's wonderful. It's good to be back in this place. Uh, When I'll start with my own baby story. Not that I have a baby, but me as a baby. When my mom and dad were preparing for my birth, they went through uh, what must be a rite of passage for the first-time parents. They bought a book of baby names. After great deliberation, they settled on two. Joshua, if I were a boy, and Autumn, if I were a girl. Ah, the note of suspense. You can feel already when November rolls around and after great deliberation on my part, I was born. The doctor turns to my dad and asks what my name will be. And my dad begins the rehearsed answer, the name Autumn halfway out of his mouth, when my mom yells from across the room, no, she looks like an amber. Now, there are times when you prepare yourself for the inevitable trials of marriage, and sometimes they are sprung upon you when you are in the most emotionally raw state that you've ever experienced. The latter was my dad's lot, and he passed with flying colors. One does not argue with a woman on the other side of 36 hours of labor. And so, Amber, I became. That's not a particularly helpful name, to be honest. It's mine, but it's also others. And I think in general, for me, it pictures, it conjures a picture of a woman from the 80s with big hair and heavy eye makeup. Maybe that's just me. But it told me nothing about who I was or what I was here for, questions that would become more and more pressing as I grew up. You know, like, how in ages past, a name like Peterson literally meant that you were Peter's son. Or like Smith used to designate you as an actual blacksmith. I'd be Amber Accountant's son, you know? A little more descriptive than Carswell. Says a little more about my lineage and purpose. Smith and Peterson have nothing on scripture, though. Names in the Bible are so stunningly literal that I wonder how funny it was to tell these stories and if we're just missing out on the joke. For instance, once upon a time, there was a man named Breath, and come to find out, Breath did not live very long. That's Abel. His name literally means Breath. There's a guy whose mother laughed when she finds out that she's pregnant, so he'll be named Laughter, which is, of course, Isaac. His brother will be named God Will Hear, And when this boy is exiled to the desert, what happens to God will hear? God will hear. Ishmael. 
Not only this, but their names are always changing to meet the situation. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, loses her husband and sons and changes her name to Mara. Sounds lovely, you think, except that you learn it means bitter, literally. Don't call me Amber, call me Soul of Black Coffee. A little dramatic. Today we hear the story of Jacob's name change. Jacob, which means heel, like of your foot, and he certainly has lived up to the designation, cheating his brother out of his rightful blessing by tricking his vulnerable and elderly father, ran away for 20 years, and now returns home, older and wiser, regretful of his heelish behavior. Such naming conventions all seem a bit funny and if imagined for oneself, constraining and absurd. Not many smiths have continued in the noble art of blacksmithing, after all. But it does touch on the power of naming, doesn't it? Historically, baptism was associated with the giving of a new name. And indeed, in the medieval period, baptized were, uh, babies were only given their names at the point of baptism, which happened about a weekend after their birth. But now, one's first name and Christian name are mostly interchangeable terms. But it was at this point where the church tried to answer the two of these the questions that are deepest in the human heart. Who am I? And what am I here for? It's telling that in scripture, God makes creation by naming. He creates the stars and brings them into being by calling them each by name. Creation appears as an answer to God's speech. The word goes forth and creates, makes new, and a resounding wave of God's own life bounces back to God. It does not return to him empty as Isaiah sings. Humanity is a particular piece of this whole movement, that God is constantly speaking to us who we are. And we, in the process of our creation, are trying to resemble that word more and more, to repeat it back more and more fully. We are called, all of us. And that calling is to be ourselves, as particular as each star in resounding back, a common chorus of God's self-giving, compassionate love. Let me put this another way. When I hear someone talk about the will of God for their individual life, so often it feels like they're imagining a blueprint. You know, put this beam here, put the wires there, you know, keep things to code. Any misstep is a misinterpretation of this frustratingly inscrutable plan that God secretly has. Going off track over here means you've ruined the project. You've let down the architect. But if the will of God, if your vocation, isn't some absurdly complicated IKEA-like assembly process, what if instead it's something like you being who you are. That God names creation into being 
for the pleasure of hearing the Pleiades, the cedar tree, the Alps, the blackberry vine, the pleasure of hearing you. And I don't mean this in today's sense of you know, just being yourself and the sort of empty self-satisfaction, self-fascination that doesn't see past the end of one's own selfie stick. I find that people are actually very good at, ma at masking with those props, avoiding the real self, the real you, underneath the games and contrivances and indignations. Ask yourself, what am I avoiding in myself? What am I refusing to see in myself that others notice right away? You know, it was one of those things, actually, these sort of questions that drew me to the church in the first place. One of my enduring convictions of its purpose, the idea that a whole lot of us were getting together to struggle through what it meant to be in communion with God and each other. Who is the me that God is calling into being? Jacob loses sleep. He struggles all night with his strange visitor, wrestling with God knows what. We hear it's a man, it's an angel, but I wonder if he thought it wasn't a demon, given how grappling with the unknown in the pitch black of four o'clock in the morning feels for me. Jacob hangs on through that darkest of our hours, makes it to daybreak that felt like it would never come. An indelible change is being wrought. The performances he made of deception, the trickery, the striving, fall away now. He will no longer be a heel, but Israel, the one who struggles with God. What a name. To see that all his struggles were not actually with his brother, or for his father's affections, or for love, or children, or freedom. He has struggled with God in all of this, for the revealing of himself, to know himself known and delighted in by God. All the rest had to fall away to hear his deepest calling. Most affecting to me is that he didn't make it out whole and healthy, and rosy-cheeked, but his very body affected by this dying of the old self, Jacob is left limping from the touch of God. Maybe you know this story. Maybe you've collided with something unimaginably greater than you. Maybe it overtakes you in the dark and hopeless hour. Maybe it's something that will leave you forever limping. Hang on. Sometimes, that's nothing less than the blessing and mercy of that God calling you into being. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates, or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. 
subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm.